Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Throughout this series, we're looking at what it means to be a community that comes together as one. As a culture, we have a tendency towards independence. Now, it's good to take personal responsibility for one's own actions, but attempting to live life from a self-centered approach always leads to emptiness and loneliness. We are wired to do life in community. We're created and called to come together as one. And this is important because when we come together as one, there's nothing we can't do for the kingdom of God. Last week, we said that this community of one begins when we recognize that we are and what it means in our lives. We learned last week that we're a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. You are created in the image of God. Remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, I'll go ahead and we'll bring it up here for you on the screen. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. And as a masterpiece, it's one of the reasons why God tells us, these are the things I want you to avoid in your life, Marvin. These are the things I want you to avoid in your life, Roger. I want you to avoid these things in your life. You want to know why? Because... If you do those things, it literally betrays the very thing that you were created to be. So let me give you an example. If I had a Mona Lisa, the original Mona Lisa, would it be the best thing in the world for me to do to slide that underneath the birdcage so all the droppings could be collected on top of Mona Lisa? I mean, the birdcage has to be cleaned out this way. See, it's a masterpiece. It has high value. It is never to be misused. It's a betrayal of a masterpiece to put it at the bottom of a birdcage. You don't take a classic vintage car and use it for dump runs. And you don't do these things, not because it's just sin, but because God's saying, listen, you're a masterpiece, and you behave like that. It's to violate, it is to betray that which I created you to be. Stay away from sin. Stay away from all those things that betrays who you are in Christ. A masterpiece. Now today we're going to continue looking at what it means to be a community that comes together as one. So have you ever noticed how people all over the world how we gravitate towards people who are just like us. Did you know that they say the most segregated day or segregated hour is church hour on Sunday morning? And it's yet, it's not because we're all weird. It's that there's a natural tendency in each and every one of us to find things that are much like us. To find people who are much like us. People who look like us, who think like us, who believe like us, who talk like us, 
who vote like us, who are in the same socioeconomic and demographics like we are. We like to be around those like us, which is ironic since our culture values and it pushes independence and being your own person. We claim to want diversity. We hear it everywhere. In academia, on the news, and magazines, on blogs, all over podcasts. We claim we want to be different. We claim to be the anti-group think tank. But the reality is we really like others who are just like us. I mean, I have to tolerate Raider fans. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Stinking Viking fans and I don't know. Are we talking? Do I hear an amen for the Niners? Yeah. All right, there we go. Now, think about it when you were in high school for a moment. Remember, the group and friends who all claim to be the nonconformists, the rebel of the day. The rebels, they all wear or wore the same kind of clothes. Back in the 50s, you know, they had the 501 blue jeans, the white t-shirt, the leather jacket. They walked around like Fonzie, right? I just lost half of you on that one. They all listen to the same kind of general type of music. They all have the same general hairstyle. They all walk the same way. And they hung out at the same places. And the, this group of people who all looked the same, acted the same, listened to the same music, and etc., they actually turned around and said, we're nonconformists. But you're doing the same, 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 same. Ironically, to be part of the group, you had to be just like them to be a nonconformist. Bit of an oxymoron. Now, this isn't necessarily because we seek so much to exclude people, but because we're naturally drawn towards things that are much like us. Maybe because it makes us feel more comfortable. Maybe because it just feels more familiar. However, sameness doesn't add life. Sameness doesn't add strength. In fact, sameness is actually the opposite. His name's Warren Worsby, great theologian. And let me quote him, and this is what he says. Unity without uniformity. Excuse me, unity without diversity would produce uniformity. And uniformity tends to produce death. Life is a balance between unity and diversity. As a human body weakens its systems, it, they slow down and everything tends to become uniform. The ultimate, of course, is that the body itself turns to dust. See, uniformity tends to produce death. Uniformity decreases the strength and the values of things. 
Let's have you all think about it this way. If you have a building where all the walls are all covered with the same masterpiece over and over and over, over and over and over, over and over and over, we call that wallpaper. Okay? Now, if I have another wall and I put nothing but masterpieces of different sizes, of different colors and uniqueness of portraits all over, all over, unique, different, all over. We call that an art gallery. If there was to be a heist, they would not go to the wall with all of the wallpaper. They're going to go to the art gallery and say, we're going to take those. Those are unique masterpieces, and none of them are the same. But in wallpaper, it's the same repetition of the same pattern over and over again. This may be counterintuitive, but as a church, as the body of Christ, when everything is the same, we cannot be a community of one that will be effective to transform the world. We are not stronger when we are the same. We are weaker. We are stronger when there is uniqueness and difference among us. Or to put it another way, When we are all together different, we are more than the sum of the parts. Let me give you an example to describe this. Um, I love sports, played a lot of sports as an athlete, as a young person. That was back when dinosaurs were born. But I'll tell you something. When you have a really good team, it's because you don't have nothing but quarterbacks. There are some who are designed, they are built to be linemen on a football team. Others to be the tight end or the running backs or the wide receivers. There are those who are super aggressive and they really should be the middle linebackers or or different. You see what's going on? If I had nothing but middle linebackers, I would have no offense. The uniqueness, the greatness of a team is that the kicker doesn't act like he's a quarterback. See, that's what we don't catch sometimes. We think everybody has to be just like us. And the truth is, what can you in your position on the team bring as contribution that the rest of the team can't? That's what makes it special. Now, when Paul was building a church in a place called Corinth, where we get those two books, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, um, he was facing a challenge of getting the people who were believers there in the city of Corinth to, to all be on the same page. Because this was an incredibly diverse city. It's a port city. So people from all over the world were coming to Corinth to do trade and to purchase And so they would also bring their pagan or their different religions or their different cultures, and it would all be blended in here. So with all this strangeness, you had people from all over the Roman Empire who were Jews and Greeks. Some were Gauls. That would be like the Spanish and the French and Germanic and the African and the slaves and the free and the ex-military and those who had been, well, let's just say conquered by that same military. 
And there were many different religions and pagans backgrounds and many socioeconomical backgrounds. And they're all flooded in this one city. And many of them landed in the exact same church that Paul was trying to grow. And none of them liked each other. Now go church, go. But Paul doesn't say, you all need to change and become the same. He actually starts giving us this illustration about the body has many parts. You all remember that. See, because they didn't get along, he had to help them find a way to see the value of their differences. But the differences and the friction weren't simply limited to their race and to their culture and their economics and social status. Some of the friction was caused by the fact that different people had different gifts and different roles in the local church. Some were more obvious, they were the leaders, the teachers, and the, the preachers. And some were more behind the scenes, the hospitality and the the greeters. And just like many of us today, they began to look at each other and even look at themselves and assign value based on how desirable and certain gifts were in the local body. So the ones who were up here, all of a sudden they're valued because they're playing an instrument or they're singing. Or the one behind the pulpit, oh, he must be the real big special one. Let's get him a special hat. And the truth is, as you as you read, Paul says, listen, what if you're all foots? What if you're all hands? What if you're all an ear? Can't, d- does it work that way? No, there are unique parts. And you know what? Some of them you get more than one of. You get two eyes. Look at how many digits you get. So sometimes you need more of one kind than you do of another kind. But without all of it, you don't have one body. But we do that even today in our culture. Let me give you an example. We see a CEO. Well, he, that, he or she has to be more important than the regional manager. And the regional manager is definitely more important than the store manager. And the store manager is definitely more important than the janitor. Or the school principal is definitely more important than the teacher. And the teacher definitely more important than the custodian. It's in our nature to look at the differences and determine some to be better or, or more important than the other. And this attitude carries over into the church, doesn't it? I mean, if you're a preacher or if you're the worship leader or an elder, I mean, you know a job that's up front and visible, then you must be some of the most important people in our society. How many found that not to be true? No, I have. My role's different, but my value's the same as anybody in this church. So this little community of Jesus followers in Corinth is struggling with the whole difference thing and and who's more important than them thing. 
As Paul writes this letter to them, he begins to explain the power that's in differences. Paul understands those differences should not divide us. Those differences, if we allow Jesus to have His way, can actually bring us together as one and make us stronger. How many have ever heard the story about the, the Clydesdale? You know, the, the draft horses, those big horses. I mean, they, they've got horseshoes this big to put on one. I, I was a farrier for a, about a month. And I'll tell you, when I would go and a farrier is the guy who put the shoes on the, on the horses. That is a low-statured man's job. I'm telling you. But anyways, I remember seeing a, a Clydesdale's being shooed. It, it's an amazing beast. It's massive power. Matter of fact, they did a thing in a, in a fair one time, and they said, how much could, he, could one pull? And they pulled, and it was like, let's say it was 3,000 pounds. So then they tried this other one, and he did like 5,000 pounds. So they put them together. They did over 14,000 pounds together. Makes no sense. You can do way more. One 1,000 to 10,000. It's when we're together with our unique skill sets that we can do so much more for the kingdom of God. So Paul understood that when we're all together different, we are more than the sum of the parts. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. And this is what he says. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. He's talking about what's going on right there in Corinth. He's being very, very personal with them. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we all share the same Spirit. Do you see how he's trying to unite them? Trying to find that commonality? Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. You see how easy it is to be in a church and you can say, we're only going to focus on this. We're only going to focus on that. And we miss the beauty and the strength when we allow God to do all that He wants in the local body of His church. Now, in helping them work through their differences, Paul goes to one of the best examples from everyday life that we can find something every one of us can relate to the human body paul says it has many parts and every part has a role you have lungs you have nervous system you have a heart you have a skeletal system you have a brain and if all those different unique systems and all those different parts, if they're not working together, we call it sick. And when none of it works and it doesn't move, we call it dead. 
It's powerful, this illustration that he's using. We can relate to it. Has anybody ever in your whole life ever been sick? Get it? But when you're at the best you've ever been, there's something incredible. It's like, I can keep running. I can keep doing. I've got great energy. Because the body's healthy. And the wonderful thing about health is it causes there to be growth. Ever notice that about kids? You get them and you got them as little babies. And before you know it, you feed them, you love them, spank them when they need it. Get them rest and all the other things. And before you know it, they're like super tall. Like what happened? Well, when they're healthy, they grow. And when the body of Christ is healthy, it grows. It grows. You can't stop it. It's going to grow. It's going to come. If you take the time to read the rest of the part of Paul's letter, he just goes on and on about all the different parts coming together and are better than being just one part. Paul's saying, when we're all together different, we are more than the sum of the parts. There's no insignificant member in the local community of Jesus' followers. There's nobody insignificant in River Rock Fellowship. Everybody matters. Doesn't matter what you can or cannot do. Every one of us who considers ourselves to be a follower of Jesus, you're an essential part of the community. Believers, there is no such thing as just a nursery worker. What do I? I'm just a nursery worker. No, no, no. You're essential. You matter. One of the things I'll, 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 I love to share with people. I remember one time, uh, Pastor Wayne Cadero shared this one time. There was somebody, and they were putting a speaker on a speaker stand. He walked up to him. He said, "Hey, what are you doing?" Uh, Pastor, I'm just putting the speaker on the speaker stand. Is that all right? He goes, oh, no, that's great. He goes, but you're not just putting a speaker on a stand. Um, Pastor, you okay? This is a speaker. This is a stand. I'm putting it on the speaker stand. He goes, no, you're missing the whole point. Pastor Wayne said this. He goes, you're making it so that those who've never heard the gospel can clearly hear from the back row the word of God that they may get saved. You're essential. You catch that? Oh, I'm just a nursery worker. No, you're not. What do you mean? Because you're providing a place so that mama... That new mama can be in service knowing that her baby is being well taken care of and loved and cherished while she's spending an hour hearing the Word of God. Do you begin to see when you put everything through the scope of eternity, what you do for the sake of the kingdom changes everything. It's not just what comes behind this pulpit. It happens because of what you do. Well, I invited my neighbors, no big deal. No, that's everything. 
If they can't hear, if they don't hear the gospel, if they're not invited to hear the gospel, how can they hear the gospel to give their heart to them? It's massive what we all do. Paul sums up the whole thing by saying in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body. So he takes it from this physical illustration. It's almost like he could have a, a, you know, a mannequin there. And he, it's almost like he grabbed the mannequin and threw it away. And he says, all of you are a part of the body of Christ. Don't we use that a lot? That phrase, the body of Christ? But did you know how it impacts the way we look and approach doing church? You matter. You matter. You're not just a masterpiece. You matter. Why? Because without you, there's the part of my lungs that can't breathe. Without you, there's a part of me that I can't feel. Without you, I can't grab something. Without you, I can't walk. Without you, I can't hear. Without you, I can't smell. Without you there's no body of Christ you matter we collectively are the body of Christ and you individually are each part of the body of Christ as a community of one we're a part of the body of Christ But a lot of churches are crippled. I often think the body of Christ comes off as a, as a cripple because we don't use our gifts, our talents, our skills, our abilities, our passions for the body of Christ, for the kingdom, to serve the church and to serve the world through the church. Do you know you can serve the world through the church? Do you have gifts and abilities, skills, talents, passions? I'll answer it for you. Yes. Probably more than you know. Every one of these skills and all of their differences can be used to create a community of one that changes the world outside these walls. Maybe you're a doctor and the Lord needs you to step up and be a preacher during a time of pastoral transition in your local church. See, I have a friend in Australia, and they're going through a transition right now. And so I'm saying this because I know my friend probably should be at the pulpit right now. He's got a Bible degree. And I know he has something in his heart that he could share the body of Christ. And I know he listens to this. So I'm saying this for him. But I'm also saying it for you. What are you capable of doing for the kingdom? Just ask the Lord. Oh, he'll show you. What if everyone here were to use their talent and their skill, their gift, their ability, their passion to engage in serving the church and then through the church, serve 
our community, what would happen? <laughs> Folks, it would be unstoppable. When we are all together different, we are more than the sum of the parts. In John 17, verse 20 through 24, it says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. And now this is Jesus speaking as he's talking to the Lord, just as you and I, you meaning God and I meaning Jesus are one as you are in me. Father, I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with where to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. As we read this text, it's clear that, the be, that being the church, that being the family of God, that being the body of Christ, that God wants all of us to be one. Take your uniqueness, your uniqueness, my uniqueness, let's put all that together and we become one. Unstoppable for the king and his kingdom. So here's, here's the challenge I have for you. I want to challenge you to take your gifts, your skills, your talents, your abilities, your passions, and start to use them for the lost, for the cause of Christ. Remember, when we are all together different, we are more than the sum of the parts. As we uh, get ready to close, I want to close with communion. I'm praying that as I challenge you to not only be in unity, but to really be with a servant's heart. How can God use me? And then step out in faith. Luke chapter 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. And he replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. I just love that. Just as Jesus had told them. Do you know that the Lord won't lie to you? Do you know the Lord can't lie? That's incredible. I mean, that is something God cannot do. He can't lie. 
And they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. If you haven't already, there's a little, on your communion, there's a little saran wrap that you can pull off. And you can pull the little wafer out. Would you just take a moment and close your eyes and bow your heads? Would you recognize that He sees you as a masterpiece? Would you recognize that He wants you to use your part, your skill, your passions, your talents, for the kingdom of God? Is there something that's just not right in your life right now? Between you and the king? And you want to make it right? Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. So he was at that last supper before Jesus would go to the cross, that he took the bread and he divided it and gave it to each of them. And they all took it together, and so do we. Later on in that meal, Jesus took the cup the fruit of the vine. And he says that this represents his blood that would be sacrificed. Oh, it was Passover. And oh, the lambs, the hundreds, the thousands of lambs that were being sacrificed for the covering of sin. And Jesus says, my blood would be for the forgiving of sins as far as the east is from the west. And they all took it together. Will you take it with me? Father, I pray as we dive into this series of one that we would begin to understand that even in our unique differences, it's because we represent a different part of the body of Christ. But as we all do our part, there is wholeness 
in the oneness of the body of Christ. Bless your people as we remember you this Easter season. In the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.